1: Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Maris testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kciorg slash privacy piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning?
2: Well, Lloyd, today our show is about workers' privacy, and we've talked about privacy in the workplace. And this is a fascinating issue to talk about. I was reading the Daily Journal, which is the legal newspaper for the state of California, and I found this wonderful article, and the title of it is, Workers' GPS Suit Raises Privacy Issues. And this is a a case about Myrna Arias and her employer who tracked her not only at work, but her movements after hours as she slept, spent time with her family, and other non-work-related activities. So we are going to talk with the attorney who is representing her. So let me tell you a little bit about Gail Glick, who is a partner with Alexander Krakow and Glick LLP in on Wilshire Boulevard in Santa Monica, California. She's been practicing law since 1994 and mediating uh, disputes since 2003, but she's also a litigator. She's a founding partner in the Santa Monica Employment Firm of Alexander Krakow, LLP, and she serves on the Executive Committee of the Los Angeles County Bar Association's Labor and Employment Law Section, and she was chair of the section symposium this past year. And she is a member of the Board of Directors of Disability Rights Legal Center and the Amherst Association of of Southern California. She's been named a rising star or super lawyer by Southern California Super Lawyers Magazine since 2009, and she frequently is uh, lecturing on employment law issues and alternative dispute resolution. So you can find out more about her at our website at KUCI.org slash where you'll see her picture and bio, and we link to their website, which is akglip.com. So, Gail, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Mari. Well, this is a fascinating take case. Why don't you tell us about um, your, your client, Myrna Arias, and what her case was about or what it is about against Intermax?
0: Sure. So Myrna Arias worked for Intermex for a short period of time in the winter of 2014 through the spring. Uh, Intermex is a wire transfer company. It's based in Florida and it services, I believe, over 40 states in this country. And um, I think their goal is to allow mostly uh, Latino Americans to be able to transfer by wire money to uh, Latin American countries, Central and South American, including uh, Mexico, Guatemala, and other South American countries. Uh So she, um, she has sued for wrongful termination, invasion of privacy, Retaliation in violation of our California Labor Code, um, intentional interference with her economic relationship with a previous employer, and it's all based on her privacy rights as kind of the foundation of her lawsuit against Intermex.
2: Right. So let's talk about what happened with the, what, what seems to be almost like a prisoner's uh, ankle bracelet that they kind of tethered her to. to uh, what, what happened with her iPhone?
0: So Myrna was hired as a sales executive and account manager for Intermex. And she was issued an iPhone from the company, so it was their company property. And she was asked, after a few months of working there, to download an application onto her iPhone called Zora, X-O-R-A, which was an application that I'm not quite sure of all of its capacities, but one of its functions was a GPS monitoring tracking system. Hmm. And so um, in the beginning stages of using this application with its employees, Intermax asked her, among other employees in California, to try it out, see what, how it worked, give them input and feedback about how it was working. And she quickly realized that it was tracking her at all hours of the day and night, and she objected to it, to her boss. And her boss insisted that she leave it on at all hours and Hmm. leave the phone on at all hours because, as a sales executive and account manager, she was required to be kind of 24-7 available by phone in case a customer or one of her managers had a problem because there were off-hour problems that sometimes occurred. Right. So she didn't have a problem leaving the phone on. She did have a problem leaving the GPS monitoring part of that application on, and she was not at all comfortable with um, her boss's assertion that it was no big deal.
2: Right. It, was it something easy that she could turn the app on and off?
0: Well, not according to uh, you know, what I know so far. So this case was just filed in May of this year. Mm. Um, even though she was fired last year. So we you know, we filed before the statute of limitations expired.
2: Right, so you um, have a lot to learn.
0: <laughs> right, so we have a lot to learn about how the application actually worked, um, what exactly were the insistences, what exactly were the um, notices that were issued, if any, by the employer um, before asking her to download this on her phone. Our belief is that she wasn't issued any kind of notice about the, the application or the way it worked. And that it was kind of just this free-for-all invading device initially. Um, they may have fine-tuned it since then. I don't know. Right. So, you know that's kind of an unknown right now because we haven't done any discovery, and in fact, Intermex hasn't even had a chance to respond to the complaint in a formal manner in court.
2: Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder. I haven't looked up on the web what the what they say about this um, about this app at all. So I'm just wondering what they're you know what they're trying to say about this app, how they're advertising it.
0: Yeah, so it's my understanding that Zora was acquired by another um, internet type company, mm-hmm. application type company, right? Um, and but it's still used as kind of a, a device that's supposed to maximize efficiency for your Salesforce. Uh-huh. That's how it's touted, right? And so, and, and an example that you can see on on one of their information videos is that, for example, if you've got a bunch of people who are plumbers working for your company and you've got a customer in a building in Santa Monica that needs a water heater replaced, you can monitor where your repair guys and gals are very quickly to see, you know, can John do it or can Jennifer do it? You know, who's almost finished with their job, who's going to be ready and prepared to go and really... um, do great customer service for the next customer.
2: Right. You know,
0: so there's this kind of prompt efficiency need. Right. With, you know, for but to compare that to what Myrna was doing uh, for Intermax, she had this broad swath of coverage in the central uh, valley of California, kind of from Bakersfield north almost to Fresno, and then west to the beach, kind of the, you know, three or four counties that are west of there, like Monterey County, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, Ventura, um, so, And she was the only one that was covering the area. So there's really, there's not that legitimate business reason to monitor where she is exactly and how fast she's going there and what route she's
2: taking. Right, and especially for, I wouldn't imagine that they would expect her, I- at least in that central California, to be going in the middle of the night. <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> or, or, you know, after hours, I mean, they, they can't expect her to be working 24 hours. Yes, if there's a problem, maybe she'd be available by phone to answer questions, but to be able to go somewhere <laughs> in the middle of the night is, is really uh, highly unlikely.
0: Well, exactly. And another thing that, you know, I've kind of evolved as, as we've been thinking more about this case and talking to people like you about it is there's also, you know, employees have break times during their days, and they do very private things during those breaks. Right. You know, we can go to see a psychologist. We can go to worship. We could go to a doctor. Right. We could just go outside and, you know, do what we want to do. That's a it's a free country, and it's a wonderful thing. Right. Right. Um, and to think that your employer is able to monitor exactly where you went to lunch, how long you spent at lunch. Mm-hmm. You know it's just it's just not right,
2: right. And especially after work, that's really none of their business, especially, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what are the key privacy issues that you talked about? you know what are what have you alleged in your complaint? What are those issues?
0: So first of all, we we have alleged a straight invasion of privacy, um, which can be a common law claim in California. It can also be a constitutional claim under Article One, section one of the Constitution. Um, it'll it protects our privacy as against uh, private entities as well as against the government, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is rare. Right, because um, California
2: is one of a handful of states that has uh, a right to privacy right in the constitution. Yes. Yep. Yep.
0: And then we have retaliation, both in violation of the Labor Code whistleblower provision, which is Section 1102.5 of the Labor Code, mm-hmm. and we also have it as a common law claim of wrongful termination in violation of public policy. So basically, Myrna was complaining about the invasion of her privacy, and she was actually complaining about the potential violation of a statute. As far as she understood it, the law prohibited them to GPS track her, yes. and she objected to it and indeed in our in our legal research we determined that there is a penal code section in California that says pretty simply you're not allowed to gps track another person. Yes. Um save a few discrete um exceptions like if if the prisoner is you know on parole and you have an ankle monitor like you suggested in the beginning of the yeah, show yeah. you can have an ankle monitor on someone. Yes. You can also monitor the the movements of a company vehicle. Yeah. Again for legitimate business. But besides that, there's no exception. So we're claiming that she was retaliated against and fired for objecting to the GPS tracking.
2: Yeah, and she was really being surveilled.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that was her concern <laughs> and her worry. I mean, you, we can't know right now you know, how frequently her boss looked at her whereabouts after hours or on her breaks. But we do know that he was joking about his ability to know her every movement and know how fast she was driving.
2: Right. Right. But she kind
0: of joked with her and she expressed that she didn't think it was a joke at all.
2: Right. And and you also don't know who else had access to that information. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I would even worry about somebody literally could stalk her. You don't know who's who has access to this information, which could be very frightening for someone if they know that they're being surveilled. I mean, I even turn off the GPS on my iPhone unless I'm using it for, for to find it someplace. I don't even keep it on. I don't want anybody, you know, to to be able to surveil me or harass me or know where I am or whatever. I mean, this is kind of a scary thing, especially when you think that your employer and who else might have access. You know, you don't know who else at the, at the firm or at the company who has access to this information, and why should they, right?
0: Exactly. And what's more, you know, even without even going to these other people, I, we've, you know, we, all we do is practice employment law in, in this firm, and we've been doing it a long time, and we've seen many cases where an employer, um, you know, gets obsessed with an employee, you know, starts to stalk, starts to harass, and it could be that very manager that used to be just a friendly guy can become a stalker.
2: Exactly. So,
0: I mean, I'm not saying that that's the case, in the right, years, right, because I don't know. Right. But, um, it, but felt it would be a legitimate
2: her. fear yeah. that she might have.
0: Yeah, it felt really creepy to her when he would joke about. Um, the fact that he could track her and the fact that he was tracking others
2: right right um was the iPhone was was really company it was owned by the company though right am I correct you are correct yeah so that you know that becomes an issue for people so you know we've talked about this before about uh, what it what Rights does an employer have when they own the cell phone that you're using? So let's talk a little bit about that because we're on the campus here of the University of California, but we also have lots of business people driving by. So, if in terms of what um, what an employee should worry about if he or she is using an iPhone for all the time, right, if they're using an iPhone, but it is really a company phone.
0: Yeah, and that's the trouble, especially with newer employees in the workforce who might not have the resources to have their own devices, and so they kind of perceive it as an employee benefit, like in addition to having health insurance and dental, they also have a company iPhone and they have a laptop, maybe. Right. Um, And if you're doing your personal work or communicating on a company phone then you're really you got to be very careful you got to not do that because (laughs) the employer has it's the employer's property after all so if you ever leave or if you're fired the employer takes it back and has all of your data on it yes um like it or not um for good or for evil
2: Exactly, like but, if you're texting or sexting yes. or anything like that, what about and and I just don't know how this would work with encryption. if I'm um let's say encrypting uh, and something that I'm sending to my doctor, let's say, for example, um, and um i'm I'm sending something like that, would they have access to something like that or or would that would I have to give the the password for the encryption if, it, if, I don't, um, if I don't own the phone, but my company does?
0: They probably couldn't compel you to give a password, but the problem is, and, and I'm no IT expert, Yeah. but yeah. as far as I understand it, the problem is, how, how did you create the document? If you created it on your work device, then there is a way to go into the memory of that mm. device and see it. Right. Whether you attempted to encrypt it later or not or sent it by a secure transfer. Right. Um there's it's all about, you know, how was the message prepared in the first place. And right. so I highly recommend for any employees who are listening to us to um stop using that employer issued cell phone for personal use and get yourself a separate phone. It's yeah. not worth the savings um to to have that invasion of
2: your brain. Right. Body. So you really have to carry two phones around.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for example, like when employees call me and they say, I, I feel like I'm being harassed at work, and I said, okay, where are you calling me from? Right. Are you on a work phone? Are you on right. a cell phone? Are you in your office? Are you in a private place? Right. And, and for God's sake, do not send me an email from your work email, or even don't even access your Yahoo or your Google or your Hotmail account from right. your workstation at work. Right. Because they have the ability to track every keystroke.
2: Right now what about the attorney client privilege with regard to if they're writing to you is that going to protect them if they do write to you
0: well you know in theory it protects them you could assert later it's not admissible but it still gives the employer a view into your thoughts and um and communications with your lawyer so it's really a bad idea so the employer will see it you know it doesn't doesn't mean much that that it's protected later when it comes time for evidentiary hearings at trial that you are able to exclude it from court
2: proceedings. Right, right. It's already it's already out there, right? Yeah,
0: the, <laughs> you can't unring the ballot.
2: Exactly. So, are there some other cases that are similar to what this this case that you're doing right now, or is this kind of a case of first impression or what?
0: I've heard from one lawyer in New Jersey who's pursuing a similar case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't heard the details of his lawsuit that he's pursuing on behalf of an employee. Um, and there's been a ton of media coverage of this case, mm-hmm. so I would have thought that Moore would have contacted me. I haven't heard of any in, in, my, um, in my research I've done so far, but we haven't really focused on finding comparators. Right. I, I haven't heard of anything in California, and there's not another case in our law firm like this, that right. we do have other invasion of privacy cases.
2: Right. So um, what about any of the other employees? Is Has this turned into, um, you know, a class action, or is this just her right
0: now? Well, it's we do have a claim under the Private Attorney General's Act of the Labor Code, which is Labor Code 2698 and 2699, um, which allows you to pursue kind of a representative action on behalf of similarly situated people. Right, um, right. So we have asserted it that way. Um, but there hasn't been a class action that I know of. And, um, and the Private Attorney General's Act was something that was passed in the past 20 years or so that allows um, employees and, and their lawyers to, to work on behalf of the state, basically, to remedy a wrong right. that violates the labor code. Right. And, and then um, part of the proceeds of that case, if you win and you get your attorney's fees, um, a large portion of the attorney fees goes to the state of California.
2: Right. So, you said that you have other uh, privacy cases. Are you seeing more privacy cases in the employment area in recent years? And, uh, And do you think that's due to the just explosion of technology
0: or what? Well, actually, the other privacy case we have going in our firm right now is one that involves medical privacy. Oh, yes. So, a lot of times you'll see that kind of thing, and that doesn't necessarily have to do with this new technology. But... Actually, you know, the preservation of documentation on computers, Yes. you, you need to be really careful about um, password-protecting those documents so that, like you said earlier, not just anyone can access it. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if an employee goes out on a medical leave of absence, they may, do, may need to submit doctor's notes right. um, and very confidential information related to their medical care.
2: Right, right. And
0: there needs to be a separation of the human resources documentation um, with the leave of abs- absence documentation, with the workers' comp documentation, and that can get messy.
2: Yes, yes. You know, I I have been involved in cases in the employment area where there have been multiple uh, employees who've been victims of identity theft because of information being accessed by unauthorized persons. Either a, you know a a banker box filled with personnel files that somebody takes home and steals all the identities of the scientists that was one case well. yeah so I mean there is I've seen a lot people will call me in a lot of these types of things so it is um, it seems to be a growing area so what should the concept of privacy mean to people in our society today from what you're seeing
0: well it should mean you know the right to be left alone we I think that Americans don't readily think about privacy unless it's, you know, the, the Patriot Act stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, limiting others from having access to your personal information. Right. The right to conceal your private information about yourself from other people. Right. Um, right. Controlling the information that others have and how they can reveal it about us. Right. Um, and then protecting our intimate relationships, who our intimate partners are, whether we have one, and a broader concept of personhood.
2: Yes, and it seems um, it's a challenge right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a challenge. I mean, when you have, you know, you've got the, the tabloids talking about, for example, um, Ms. Jenner that just came out as transgender, yes, yes. and all of her trials and tribulations leading up to that, right? and how, mu- how invasive it was. And she was a public figure all along, so it's a little different. But this notion that kind of any private person can become a, become a public figure overnight Right and um, and sometimes a craving for that publicity. Right, but without regard to the notion that you know you have a right to privacy and it's actually a good thing that you're a private person. You know, and I don't know that that uh, younger Americans have anywhere close to the same concept of privacy that maybe my parents' generation
2: did. Right, it's a it's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah, and it's, it's
0: very troubling.
2: Yes. Especially when we see, you know, with things like bullying and and um, what goes up on the internet and Instagram and sexting and revealing all this stuff. It's it's just a crazy time. So let's talk a little bit back about the um, employee. Are there employee individual areas of privacy that an employer can legitimately invade? Let's let's talk about those so that people know uh, what's. What an employer can do. We, we talked about the cell phone. If the cell phone is owned by the company, what other kinds of things should they be aware of?
0: Well, pretty much all of our communications that we pursue on work time on the work premises, employers are allowed to monitor it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'm on my work phone right now. I'm my own boss, so it would be funny if I tried to monitor myself, but <laughs> um, you know, if, if it were anyone else, they would technically have a concern that someone was uh, eavesdropping on this conversation. And that's allowable if it's something that's happening during work time. Uh, They can record conversations. They can video surveil you. They can record your keystrokes on your computer. uh, And that's why it's so important to use your own devices. I mean, if you're someone who likes to surf the Internet during uh, break time, then you should have your own personal laptop to do so.
2: And just think about all the people who telecommute. You know, they often are given. I know, um, I know of clients that have a cell phone, not only a cell phone. I mean, a uh, they have a, a computer, a laptop that the company authorizes them to use, and they use it for everything. Right. And they put pictures on it, and um, again, they need to realize that this is really something that can be viewed by their employer. Correct.
0: Absolutely, and I've had um, situations that have been very sticky with employees who are leaving employers, and the employer says, you know, you've got a lot of trade secrets on that laptop computer, and we need it back immediately. And the employee says, I don't want to steal your trade secrets, but I just want those 3,500 pictures of my newborn baby yeah, and my, you know, 50th reunion of my parents' family, and, right. you know, and suddenly they don't have access to it. So, right. you know, they're kind of logistical nightmares that have nothing to do with your privacy as well as the private information that's on there that's left to the devices of the employer. Right. A lot of people do private personal banking on their laptops, you know. Exactly. Most of us most of us don't go to the bank much anymore.
2: Right. Exactly. Um,
0: and so just that for example is a, a huge invasion of your privacy and can compromise your your identity as you mentioned earlier.
2: Right what protections do employees actually have against employers who are invading their privacy so that they would know to come to you or another attorney who who does represent people in these kinds of issues what what are their rights it sounds like they don't have that many if if they they can't be surveilled in the bathroom i know that
0: right (laughs) so basically the key is is there a legitimate reason why the employer needs to monitor you and if there's if you find that they're monitoring you for something that does not seem legitimate at all, it seems like stalking mm-hmm. or other invasion of your personal information or private uh, space. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, ideally, an employee should complain about it and complain about it in writing, so you have proof that you complained. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not part of the law that you have to complain in writing. I'm just talking about for establishing evidence of the right. complaint. Right. Right. Um, but. Beyond that, you know, an employer, so long as you're on work time, the employer can require you to do anything that's not illegal, and they have a right to know, uh, you know, what you're doing with their information and how you're doing it. Um,
2: What if you want to go to the doctor? Do you have to tell, if you want to take time, let's say you're allowed to take time off, and it's not, you know, compensated time, but you need to take off, do you need to tell them that you're going to the doctor?
0: No, you don't. And and most of them, some of my employees tell me they tell me vaguely I'm going to the doctor, right? I'm I'm in charge of human resources at my office,
2: right? As well right. as
0: being one of the partners, right? Um, and they'll just send me a calendaring entry that says, you know, taking three hours in the afternoon, doctor's appointment. Right. And and what would be illegal is if I turned around and said, so what doctor are you going to, and what's wrong with you, and and are you feeling okay? Now you, there's. There's a fine line between being a concerned, nice boss and being someone who's invading their privacy. Right. I will say to someone, I hope you're feeling okay, and they they can either say, it's none of your business, or I don't want to talk about it, or they right. can say, oh you. oh, you know what, it's just a <laughs> checkup. Thanks a lot for, for caring. Right. You know, and most of them will say, thanks a lot for caring. I'm doing fine, or, yeah, yeah it's no yeah. big deal, or whatever.
2: Yeah. Well, we are out of time, so we're really looking forward to hearing what happens with this case. And um, thank you so much for taking on this case because I think it's really an important one that we will probably see more of because there are so many devices that can track you and Companies will own those devices. So, sounds like you're doing a great job. So, we will um, we will hope to hear from you again. So, why don't Gail? Um, why don't you just tell us your website? It's Gail A Glick. She's a partner with Alexander Krakow and Click. And just give us your website. And it's time to go.
0: Thanks, Mari. Our website is www.akgllp.com.
2: Well, thank you, and we will talk again soon. You take care. Thanks, you too. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 up on Minervine and org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. for Privacy Piracy and visit our website at org slash Privacy Piracy, and write us emails about what's important to you about privacy in the information age. Thanks. Stay private.